Good evening and welcome to the very first episode of the Orlando Info Pod. You are going to be listening to some people you might recognise tonight in our very first show. We've got some voices that you'll have heard regular if you'd listen to the Orlando Info Zone radio show, which is now defunct and retired. But it was good while it lasted. But we've got this brand new venture of the Orlando Info Pod with lots of new stuff and we are able to do group discussions now, which is something we couldn't do before. And we are going to kick the night off with our favourite rides. I'm going to get our guests to introduce themselves. And we are going to start with Paul. Tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Paul Elwell. I'm an admin on uh, Orlando Infozo and the other site. And I've been on the You can say the other site's name. <laughs> This is um, a g- generic um, Orlando show. <laughs> um, it's Orlando time. Everybody knows me on there. And I've been admin on there since July 2015, I think. And we have been very lucky to have multiple trips uh, to the Sunshine State. And one's coming up this week. Oh, very nice. I wish I was going on it. Joe, what about you? Hi, I'm Joe. Obviously, the long-suffering wife of Paul. <laughs> Um, lucky enough to be admin on InfoZone um, and share Paul's love of going to Orlando, which obviously we're going on Friday. Oh, very nice. I'm sure we're going to get lots of reports back from your little little dalliance into the magic zone. Oh, I'm sure we will. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, Bex. Tell us a little bit about you. Um. So I'm Becky Watson, Kathy's daughter, um, who's the admin of Orlando Info Zone. <laughs> Make sure I get that one. Um, and I'm home for Easter. So excellent. Regular tag along. <laughs> We're looking forward to hearing from you, Kath. Hi, I'm Kath Watson. I'm one of the admins on Orlando Info Zone. I'm a Disney Vacation Club member and a real Disney enthusiast. But generally, love going to Orlando. And if you've listened to any of the uh, old radio shows, you'll have heard a lot of in-depth clips from Kath and Bex and Bob. They were very, very interesting, and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more from them. Right, Annette, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Nettie. I'm lucky enough to be a part of the team on Orlando Info Zone, and I'm lucky enough to be going to Florida every year. Very good. So For the last 15 years or so. Oh, excellent. So. Hi, I'm Sue. I'm also admin on Orlando Info Zone and help out on the network page and a few of the other groups. And I've been going to Orlando since 1998. And yeah, that's it. Back to Peter. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. There's our six guests for this show. I suppose I should introduce myself. Uh, I forgot about that bit. I'm Peter <laughs> Harper. And I am the creator of the Orlando Info Zone and It's Orlando Time. Uh, two very big names on Facebook that you might all know. If you don't, why don't you? Uh, and basically, this show is all about Orlando. Everything to do with going to Orlando, eating in Orlando, drinking in Orlando, or going to the parks. You name it, we are all part of an Orlando loving family. Uh, we're all from different groups uh, and we will be getting people in from a lot of other groups, Orlando groups off Facebook. So you're going to get lots of information, lots of tips, lots of knowledge. 
and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. As I say, I'm Peter. I've got a wife, Christine, and we look after our two grandchildren full time, who are one of whom is two and a bit. The other one is one and a bit, and they've been to Orlando twice already, so they're getting well bedded in. Right, our subject tonight is our favourite parks. And I'm going to get each of the guests to tell you a little bit about their favourite, our favourite rides in the parks. Let me get it right. They're going to tell you a little bit about their rides that they like the most in the theme parks in Orlando and why they like them and what makes them special. And we are going to start off with Kath Watson. <laughs> Put me on the spot. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> as a huge Disney fan, I think I have to pick one of the Disney rides as my ultimate favourite. And it's one of the latest ones that's just been opened, and it's the Slinky Dog Dash. Um, it's over in Hollywood Studios, and it opened, coming up probably for a year now. Really popular still, with queues of over an hour and a half waiting for it. Uh, we're lucky enough to bag some fast passes last year when we went. And as we walked in, it kind of looked really high because there's no build-up around. The track itself looks quite high as you walk into the Toy Story Land. And I nearly chickened out because I'm not a great roller coaster ride, even though I'm under some pressure to do Mako, which is not going to happen this summer. <laughs> we um, we walked in and I nearly bottled out because about Everest is about my is about my limit. But I'm really glad I've. I did it because it's a really good action, a really good family roller coaster. Um, the Beck can probably tell a bit more because she's an engineer, so she can tell you that the track is is it's, metal. And... Uh, it's a proper steel coaster. Yeah, so you can see everything that's going on around you, like with with Everest and stuff. That's all encased and it's half inside, half outside. You don't really see. You know the beams and things like that whereas this is almost a pure roller coaster yeah so really smooth ride but a lot a lot of fun and a surprise twist for disney i think it's the first time that it actually stops halfway around and then you have the sensation of it winding up and pulling backwards a little bit before it launches you up and over one of the um the rises yeah not too intense, I'd say, as well. Like, even though it is a roller coaster, it is definitely family friendly. Yeah, definitely kids zone. It's a lot of fun, and especially do it at night time because to see the rest of her Toy Story Land lit up at night was pretty spectacular, wasn't it? Oh, going yeah. along. Yeah. Lots of fun, lots of laughing, not a lot of screaming, but a lot of fun for the family to do. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, we've been able to continue with Bex. Excuse the squeaky door, people. Um, so mine's actually in Animal Kingdom. Um, it's quite a probably an unusual one, uh, but my favourite ride is Dinosaur. Um, I I'm quite the thrill seeker. I love oh, yes. I love the scary rides, um, and I especially love Dinosaur because I just scream the whole way round. Um, it's quite interesting. Um, you go back in time to rescue an iguanodon before. The meteor strike, um, and you come across all sorts of big, scary dinosaurs and amazing animatronics, really, aren't they? And uh, you're yeah. shaking around quite a lot, though, you are, are you? Thrown around a lot. So but... anyone with bad, bad backs and oh yeah, yeah, you know injuries and things like that, I give that one a miss. It's um, 
it's actually quite like an interesting structure getting into an engineering side again but the um vehicle itself moves on its own as well as on the track so you get extra motion going on wow. Not a good family <laughs> well i've got to admit i've never been on that ride <laughs> so it's quite interesting to hear your opinion on it because i'll have to put it on my to-do list for the next trip right thank you bex thank you kath we'll move on to sue sutherland what is your favorite ride sue um my favorite ride is big thunder mountain railroad Ooh. and um i think it has been from the very first time i went on it which wasn't actually my first holiday i was a bit of a chicken back then um, it would have been 2003 before I actually put up the courage to go on it, but I go on it every time now, sometimes two or three times. And um, unfortunately, because I have to go in a wheelchair while I'm a ability scooter, I actually go in the exit, so I miss the actual um, queue. You know the queuing system? It's so gorgeous to see I everything. Bet you're devastated. Oh, well, I am actually because it's an interesting queuing system and there's loads to see. So true, it's true. a nice walk through. So can not mind so much with the boring ones, but that is quite a good one. But I got the exit and if you get the right cast member, because I have to use my crutches to get from the um, scooter to the, the actual train, they leave you one twice because it goes around and then comes into the other side. And then, so it needs to go around again to come back into the same side so you get your crutches back. So, and you don't have to walk up about five or six steps to go up and over the top of the tracks to get back out. So, yeah, that's quite good. And um, it's a thrill ride. I'm kind of hoping I haven't actually measured my grandchildren for it this year, but it's uh, 102 centimetres you need to be to get on that ride. And basically, it's just a, um, a runaway mine train around an old mine um track it's uh it's brilliant it's really interesting to see there's loads of stuff to look at and my ambition this year is to do it in the dark because i believe that that also kind of casted with the slinky dog i believe this one was also supposed to be really good at, in the dark so i'm really looking forward to trying it out this year in the dark so yeah i think that's about it do you need any more <laughs> <laughs> no that'll do thank you very very much how many times have you been on it Sue? How many times have I been on it? Oh, I must be going up to about 20-odd now. Ooh. A couple of times every holiday, anyway. You definitely do like it. I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As much as Mickey Mouse? Well, yeah. <clears throat> Normally I have Mickey Mouse with me in some form, even if it's just on my T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll move on to Joe. Joe, what's your favourite ride? Right, okay. Well, I do quite like Big Thunder as well, so I am with Sue on that one. Um, but I'm going to take us over now to SeaWorld Ooh. because one of my favourite rides there is Manta. Um, and I do believe, I could be mistaken, but I do believe there's only this type of ride in Orlando, mm. this style of ride. It's where you go in and you are actually sitting first, the floor drops from beneath you and then your seat tilts forward. So you are facing straight down and looking <laughs> at the ground. Um, and then you take off, you go around, and it is as if you are a manta ray swimming out in the ocean. And it is just amazing. Um, um, I don't know, I just think the, the whole thrill of it, and when you go upside down, so you are actually looking up at the sky as you go around, and you sometimes don't really know exactly where you are on the ride, but it is absolutely fantastic. 
But I will just say the only downside is it does quite hurt your boobs for us ladies <laughs> when you are facing <laughs> down and you are stuck. And sometimes at the end of the ride, they do hold you for a little bit. So you're out in the sun hanging upside down. Yeah. Probably only is for a minute at the most, but it does seem a lot longer than that when you're on that ride. But it is a fantastic ride. And if you haven't done it, I really do think it's a ride that everyone should try. So it is. That's, that's one of my favourites. Oh, brilliant. The nearest I've got to riding Manta is getting splashed by the water. Still part of the ride. I will get on it one day, I'm sure, but uh, I haven't got round to it just yet. But oh, I... super. Yeah. I do like roller coasters, just with having a wife who doesn't like roller coasters, and now we've got the grandchildren with us. There's not much chance of getting on many, Aww. but as they get older, I'm sure we will get on them. Um, Nettie, what is oh, your favourite ride? Mine's got to be Flight of Passage in Animal Kingdom, which opened in 2017 when I was there with Jess, but there was no chance Jess would get on it. So yeah, we went and had a look around all. Pandora, which I loved. What I was really Upset that I couldn't get on it. I waited till last year and I, I managed to get eight fast passes for the two weeks we were there. We did five of them and I cancelled three. But we did five fast passes. It was amazing. It, if you if you sit in different numbers, it's one to 16, you get a totally different look at the, at the screen and the, what's going on in front of you. Um, I, I do want to go on without a fast pass because I've not been through the queue and seen everything. On the fast pass, you just go through and you're on. Um, so I do want to go on without, without, without too much of a wait. <laughs> yeah, if that's possible. <laughs> as, as Sue was saying before, a lot of the rides, the queues are all part of the ride. Yes, yes. Yeah. The build up to it. I've not you, seen none of that on Pandora. Get you excited. Flight of Passage. So I, I do oh. want to see that bit. Well, that just gives you an excuse to go back and do it, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> Right, finally, Mr. Elwell. Hello, Peter, again. I was going to say <clears throat> Tower of Terror, but I've changed my mind. Ooh. I'm being a bit controversial. I'm going back to SeaWorld, and I'm going to go with Mako. And oh. it is a, it's, a, um, it's five years old now, Mako. Uh, it's the longest, fastest, and tallest roller coaster in Orlando. Um, you get uh, weightlessness as you go over the humps uh, for about four seconds, I think. Uh, Tom and I, the one year, a couple of years ago, we rode it three times on the trot. And the, the challenge to anybody doing it is ride the whole ride with your arms up in the air. I did, and uh, I was uh, a little bit poorly after, shall we say. <laughs> I wasn't sick, I didn't embarrass myself, but it is it is a fantastic ride, and and. And people say, you know, these rides can be bumpy, but I can honestly say that Mako is the smoothest mm -hmm. ride, roller coaster ride I've ever been on. And I think it is my favourite roller coaster ride. And the other thing is, he's taking people on, people who were scared to go on. <laughs> and last year, we had the pleasure of taking Mr. and Mrs. Wilkes on board. Now, Joe and I were crying. We laughed her, and it was that we paid for the locker because you have to pay for a locker to put your stuff in. And it was the best two dollars we spent oh, in the whole holiday. Pure magic to see their faces on that ride before and after. Let's, Sam was okay. Sam was, Sam okay, was okay, but Andrew was like um, a little banshee crying away in the corner. 
<laughs> but we have said that this summer we are going to get Simone and Paul Robinson on, and I'm going to get Kath Watson on as well. Oh, no shaking your head. You're going <laughs> on that ride. You can come on with us. <gasps> experienced Mako. It is an excellent ride. It isn't scary. I'm not going to... It's tall. <laughs> it isn't scary. It's just exhilaration. It's fantastic. And that will be, at the moment, my favourite ride. I like all the other ones that you've said, except Joe's Manta. I hate that one. But all the other <laughs> ones, Flight of, Flight of Passage, they're all, they're all amazing. But for me, to be Mako is the one I'd, I'd go for. You're an evil man, Mr. Elwell. <laughs> no, I just plan these things, Peter. A little bit of emotional blackmail will get away. And you wonder why people take the mickey out of you when you've had two shandies. <laughs> well, he never finishes the second, does he? <laughs> the plants get watered, Peter, don't worry. Right, for those listening, most people in this uh, chat that you've got tonight are long-time friends. We've all not all met each other, but we've all known each other for a long period now. So we do tend to take the Mickey out of each other a little bit. The Mickey. <laughs> really? <laughs> right. I suppose I better tell you what my favourite ride is. Uh, I've got to admit, my favourite ride is. Some people will say, "Well, that's a bit tame." It's Soaring. I first went on Soaring the first trip I went to Orlando about thirteen years ago. 14 years ago and to me it was just out of this world i was sat on that seat with the breeze blowing on my face and stomach churning as we flew over the taj mahal and everywhere else and i was going hmm i like this i like this a lot <laughs> and it's always been one of my must-do rides and the new one i like even more so uh yeah, I can't beat the first one because it was the first one and it was just so amazing to experience something like that. But, uh, yeah, they've definitely made improvements with the new video they've got running. So, that's fine. Soaring. Right. One of my favourite rides that everybody knows is It's a Small World. <laughs> and I'm going to go around the group now and ask their opinions on this fantastic wonderful exuberating ride is that a word exuberating on the orlando info part we do have the word exuberating right to me i took my grandchildren on it last year for the first trip or oh, the year before should i say just and that was one of the few rides we could take them on obviously with them being very very young and although Casey was only a few months old and Leo was only one and yeah just one I think when they got on that ride their eyes lit up and they couldn't take their eyes off anything and you're talking of a nine month old looking at all the things that were going on and just smiles you wouldn't think they'd take it in at that age but they do and I've got to admit my smile was as broad as theirs because I've got the mentality of a nine-year-old, nine-month-old, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, <clears throat> Nettie, what's your opinion on It's a Small World? I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's something that you've got to go on each time you go. It's yes, she loved it. She didn't know where <laughs> to look. She loved it. We went on twice. Yeah, um, even if it's only to see your kids' faces, I think. Yeah, 
Well, you can something you've got to do while you're there. Yeah, Sue? Yeah, I love it. Always have. Um, I think as well, like you say, seeing the kids' faces. Um, when we first went in 1988, my son was um, just over two, and Sheena, my daughter, was um, seven. And then we had our oldest daughter, who was 18, but uh, she loved it as well, to be honest with you. Um, but the, the two kids, they just loved it, and Sean just was looking around and it was just amazing. It's air conditioned as well, so it's a fine time to cool down a little bit. And that damn song does sing in your head a little bit. And it does get That's stuck a lovely there. Song. But, yes, it is a good song, but it does kind of stay there for a while, does it? <laughs> <laughs> for those who ever listen to the Orlando Infozone radio show, you'll know it was our theme tune and got played every single week. Much to the annoyance of a lot of people, but the joy of others. Catherine Becky. It was the first ride that we took Becky on when we went to Disneyland Paris. She was about four months old. So it was the very wow. first we went on at Disney. Do you remember it? <laughs> <laughs> remember it ever since though. Oh yeah. And it doesn't leave your head after that, does it? <laughs> so we've done, obviously done the Orlando one as well. And every time we go, we have to do it. It's one of Charlie's to-do lists. Although we're not allowed to sing. Every time it goes, the boat starts and the music starts and we all start singing along, he goes, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Can't have you spoiling that song. <laughs> and I have to say, when we're all sitting there together and we go as an extended family sometimes, so there's my mum, my brother, all the people I love most in the world on the ride, and it gets to the last bit and it does make me quite emotional that we're all sort of together in the sentiment of it. As corny as it is, it just makes me feel a bit emotional and... Yeah, I have been known to shed a tear. <laughs> a lot of people have been known to shed a tear, but not for that reason. <laughs> but sort of sits here with his arms folded going, oh, you're really making me go on this. I think we're sort of like with Nettie on that one. I don't hate yeah, it. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't hate it, I don't like it, but it's something that we have to do every holiday. It's part of your Disney holiday. Yeah. Um, and a couple of years ago, we were lucky enough to have um, a former cast member with us um, who worked, where did she work there? At Hollywood Studios. And she pointed out, as you're going along on the ride, there are lots of hidden Mickeys as you're going round. And yeah. we hadn't seen them. No. We hadn't spotted them at all. So that was something that you can look out for on the ride. So part, as well as looking at the amazing puppets, We've got their puppets, puppets and things like that. They're real, aren't they? Yes, they're real puppets, Paul. Real puppets, yeah. There's lots of of things to look out for. So I do do like it. It is something that has to be done. Well, to me, it epitomises Florida. It says everything about Florida. It's, It's a classic. It should never be missed. It should never be messed with, never be taken away. It is Walt Disney World. Well, I can't. That yeah. that and the Carousel of Progress are two <laughs> originals yeah, well that should remain for all time. Yeah, and it's, everybody should do it, even yeah. if you'd like it. Yes, it's got an annoying tune. Yes, it's a bit corny at times. And and this year, or when we went recently, and we've been going for many many years and many many times, as you know, it's the first time I saw a clock as you board the. Didn't we? As you walk you, in, there's a there's a, like a digital kind of clock that oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I never, we never knew this. 
and there's always things to learn on it and you look out for the different countries and you have a little bit of a laugh and stuff but yeah it's a must we don't go to sleep on that one do we not that one. <laughs> Can I say progress? We have done, but not. But it not is. Yet. I'm with you there, Peter. Right. Yeah. Get back to there. Paul Shandy's. It depends how many he's had. Whether he's <laughs> that's it, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And I do like the one in Disneyland Paris. Yes. Yeah. I did. I thought that one, the Disneyland Paris one, is a little bit better than ah. the Orlando one. Dare I say it? Don't say all the rides oh. in Disneyland Paris are better than Florida, but I haven't <laughs> okay. said that one. Okay. <laughs> That's because they're not used as much. <laughs> <laughs> That's my reasoning anyway. <laughs> That's it. We'll go with that one. Right. Uh, I haven't primed you for anything else, have I? No. So I'm, I'm gonna, can I just uh, say one more thing about um, It's a Small World? You certainly uh, can too. And just as, as Joe and Paul comparing the rise of Disneyland Paris, um, we did California a couple of times at Disneyland in California. And yeah. uh, it's a small world, it's different out there. It goes outside. Oh, that'd be good. But, yeah, it's uh, apart from the heat of the sun right enough, mm -hmm. but yeah, it does go outside. And um, there, I can't remember what it's called now, it's the cars. They've got like a land themed cars. Mm -hmm. And um, in there, the, it's almost the same as Test Track, but it is um, themed around cars and it is amazing. It's way better than Test Track. In oh, uh, Florida, it's a really good ride. So if anyone is fortunate enough to go to Disneyland in California, you do need to go on cars. Well, definitely be giving that a go. Definitely. Yeah. I'm being looked at here. Oh. I feel the eyes, feel the eyes burning on the side <laughs> of my head. <laughs> right. I want to thank Paul and Joelle for joining us for this part of the show. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more from them in the future. And... We look forward to that. Thank you for coming in and giving us your opinion on your best ride. And, yeah, we'll let you go. Okay. Thank you, folks. <laughs> Thank you we'll much. speak Thank to you, you again soon. Thank Bye. you. Good night. Bye. Bye. Right, I'm going to throw something at Kath now. Your least favourite ride. Oh, it's easy. <laughs> oh, oh, that was easy. <laughs> it's still a Disney one. It's Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin. How can you not like that? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it would be popular. <laughs> the gun never works for me. Every time we go around and I aim it up ready to shoot and it never hits the target, I end up getting off with zero. Well, that's and nothing to do with you at all. <laughs> 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 Does everybody else's gun work? Um, yeah, I'd say mine works okay. <laughs> Um, I gotta say, talking about shooting ones though, Men in Black's shooting is much better than yeah, I like that. Yeah, like, they just need to learn a trick or two from Universal, I think, and then Mum might be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a good aim, so I don't know what it is about it, and everybody else seems to do well, so I just sit and enjoy the view going round. But it would be nice if I could use the gun as well. So, yeah, <laughs> you, least... meant pull, you meant to pull the trigger, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you're going wrong right so what's your least favorite ride well i've never been on it but the ride i'm most terrified of is tower of terror oh <laughs> i know tower that's what's gone eh? <laughs> <laughs> you, 
love I'll tell, tell you, tell you what it is. For years and years, I used to stay in a high high rise flat, and I used to stay on the nineteenth floor. <coughs> and I used to have this recurring dream that when I was going up down the lift, the lift would suddenly break, and I would just fall. I mean, obviously, I never died. I just plummeted to the ground, and then in the dream, it used to bounce and it used to go up, and a bit <coughs> a bit of. Um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, it would go out of the top of the building and, and stuff like that. So all, all I can ever think about when I think about Tower Terror is that dream. Well, and I've just never been able to get over it and get on it. It sounds to me like you've already been on Tower of Terror in your yeah. dream. Because yeah, that, in... that describes it pretty much perfectly. Well, this is it, yeah. But I don't know why, but I've just never been able to get on it. And uh -huh. I'll also make another confession while we're on it. I do not go on rides that go upside down. Oh. Terrified of them. Scared of losing your money. <laughs> don't have any money. <laughs> Ian keeps that one closely to his hip. <laughs> but no, I'm a bit of a coward when it comes to rides that go upside down, yeah. Um, I would like to, but I've never managed it yet. I'm sure you'll pluck up the courage one day. Just don't tell Paul, because if I end up uh, ever there when he's there, he'll be dragging me on. <laughs> oh, yes. You know what he'll do? He'll tell you there's a stuffed Mickey Mouse on the top, just you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, those don't, for those who don't know Sue, she is an absolute fanatical Mickey Mouse fan. And she loves Mickey. <laughs> she's absolutely got a bedroom full of them. Every conversation is full of Mickey. So uh, that's why we take the Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> right, Nettie, what's your least liked ride? This is a very, very easy answer for me. The Mission Space, I don't know why, but I've put myself through it four times going on to try it. I don't like it one bit. I am very, very claustrophobic and getting on that. It just, I don't like the way it comes down on top of you. Mm. Uh, the last time I did it was with Cadden, not last year, the year before. And when we got on, there was a couple on, already on, that had stayed on and ridden five times. Oof. Um, the, the woman was by the door and the man was there. And then I got in and Cadden was by our door. Here, oh, I thought I was going to push him out of the door. I just wanted <laughs> to, get, to out. get out of that <laughs> space. Wow. Um, I, I spent the whole, I don't know how long it takes, about a minute, three minutes. Yeah. I spent the whole time with my eyes shut, and you're supposed to be an aviator or a pilot or whatever. I just blindly <laughs> pressed buttons, kept my eyes shut till we got off, and I'll, I'll never go on again. Which colour did you do? The green the, or the, the orange? The orange. Oh, brave. Yeah. yeah last time, I'm not going on again, ever. Last time I went on there, I, I got off and I felt like I'd had an elephant sat on my chest. It was that yeah. tight. I, I really I hurt. I, I don't know why I've put myself through it four times, but I have. I love it. <laughs> it's too claustrophobic. When they shut them doors and then it comes down towards you, I can't breathe. I couldn't even... No, don't like it. No, I've got to admit, it's uh, not one of my favourites at all. I'm quite happy to sit out on that one and watch the bags. <laughs> <laughs> I do that a lot. <laughs> the fact I'll go on anything else. Any other rides in Florida? Anything. Do It means you could be an astronaut one day because that's that that force that they put on you is yeah. what they do astronaut training. They spin you really fast. Oh, it is the G-force. That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I could never be an astronaut then because it is. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if this is what the new Galaxy's Edge ride, is, the Smuggler Ooh. Red, is going to be like as well. Oh, God. Do you no, think it's... they'll encase you in that one as well? Well, we all have a job to do on there. So, um, possibly. 
we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I'll have, I'll it's an interesting it on one to look forward to. That we'll uh, find out in May when Disneyland's is released. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I'll watch it on YouTube first. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> always a good idea. Right, what are you looking forward to the most? I'll just leave that as an open question. Whoever gets in first, of what's coming up new? What are you looking forward to the most? I can't go on the gondolas. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, Ian is. Ian's looking forward to those, Kath. Yeah. They look like they go 11 miles an hour or something like that. So they, I thought they were going to be slower than that. But yeah. it looks like they're going to go quite well. And uh, apparently you get a really good perspective from Epcot as you come round to it as well. So that'd be really nice to see. So for anyone that doesn't know what the, it is. Oh, they are the... They're called the Skyliner Gondolas. They come in in the four. They'll seat up to 10 people, I believe. And then it's a another form of Disney transportation, um, like a cable car that goes from resorts, a few different resorts that I couldn't possibly say at the minute. No, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and heading to Hollywood Studios, I think, and Epcot. So, yeah, looking forward to those. Very good. Uh, have I covered everybody with that question now? I'm looking forward to Toy Story Land because I've not seen that yet. <laughs> oh, you're going to love it. I can't wait. I'm lo really looking forward to that. And Sesame Street. Oh, Sesame Street I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to both of them. Our kids will love Sesame Street. They will, yeah. Yeah. We went to Toy Story Land when, just after it had first opened. and I, To be honest, I was a bit disappointed how small it was. I thought it'd be a lot bigger. Yeah. yeah. It looks small. It does look small. Yeah, and I was no with the build-up. Yeah, with the build-up they had to it, yeah. I was expecting this big land, and it's what's in it is good, but it's just not as big as I as thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, it looks small. And the fact Jess that... would have loved Sesame Street. She, uh, sea whale, uh, one of her faves. Yeah, Petahoy, she loves oh, it. Oh, well. <laughs> Bex. And the fact that so much of it is outside and not air conditioned in Toy Story Land was yeah. a big setback we found because we went yeah. in the right. Yeah. Yeah, there isn't a lot of shade there for anyone. But uh, overall, I'd still give it a good 9 out of 10. It's just uh, could have done with a bit more. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's all new to me, so I'm looking forward oh, to both of them. I'm not trying to put you off because what they've got in there is really good and yeah. the kids loved it. So I'm sure they'll be over the moon with it. Yeah. Those big what? kids. Me now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well... You know, earlier on, you were saying about, you know, everything's all about Mickey with me. Well, I'm looking forward to Mickey's runaway train. Minnie and Mickey and Minnie's <laughs> runaway train in the old, um, I can't remember, it's gone out of my head. The, <laughs> anyone have great movie ride? Yes. Yeah, it's in the thing of the great movie ride. That's supposed to be opening, I'm not sure. This year, anyway, is it the spring it's opening or? Fall. Fall, yeah. Well, hopefully by October when I go, it might be open. If not, I'll get it next year. But, yeah, that's the one I'm looking forward to seeing. Oh, brilliant. As we get closer to all these openings, we will go into them in depth a little bit more. We'll gather information yeah. and we'll give you all more information on this podcast. And I'm sure we'll be able to tell you a little bit more detail than we can now because we're just, like everybody else, guessing most of it. Yeah. Uh, we know what we want to see on the rides, but we can't actually see. We don't actually know what's coming. I feel like someone has to mention the new Star Wars land that's coming. I didn't think anybody would then. I was just going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Bex. 
Oh no, I just can't wait to see it because it's um, being built in. Uh, I was going to call it MGM then, Hollywood Studios, um, and it's got its own hotel and it's meant to be so immersive, which I think is just really, really interesting to see what Disney will do with it. And I just hope they do a good job because yeah. what they've done so far with Star Wars has been pretty decent. So yeah, uh-huh. yeah looking at some of the pictures I've seen of it getting built there's been some recently on mickey views on youtube it looks like it's going to be a really really good land as such so the detail is going to be more interesting i'm sure we fly home the day it opens oh Oh, that's that's fascinating (laughs) afternoon you see it open first thing in the morning oh yeah knowing bob he'll be up and in the park and back out and gone i've ridden it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, here's hoping. Anyway, if you don't get on it, it's an excuse for your next booking. Definitely. You just get straight on with booking again. Right, we are near enough at the end of this little uh, first group clip for the Orlando Info Pod. That on the show, of course, you're listening to it now. You're going to hear lots of other clips from different people and a little bit of. A little bit of humour, I'm sure, because uh, we have Mr Grumpy himself, Michael Hadley, is going to be reading a bit more from his book, as long as you're not afraid of a little bit of innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a really good book that he's uh, reading out to us that he's written. It's his second, and sales are going through the roof, I'm sure. Right, all I want to do is say a very big thank you, firstly, to... Paul and Joelwell, who have had to leave us early. Uh, then to Sue Sutherland, Kath and Becky Watson, and Annette Kenny for taking the time out to help me with this recording for our first podcast. We're still learning how to do things. We're still learning what format we're going to have. So if it seems a bit rough and ready, bear with us. It will get smoother and slicker and better as we go along. Yeah. But we'll still be ourselves. We'll still be natural and, yeah idiotic as we are (laughs) do hope you enjoyed the rest of the show and that you give us a little bit of feedback i'm going to let everyone say goodbye to you from this segment we'll start off with kath and becky thanks for joining us everyone it's been lovely to chat and we'll see you real soon yep see you soon so thanks everybody for listening and i'm sure that uh, you'll hear from us all very soon good night and annette Lovely chatting to you all. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. So for now, I'm going to say thank you for joining us for this segment of the show. Please stay with us and enjoy everything else we've got on offer for you. I'll be back in about two ticks. Bye for now. Hi there, Peter. This is my first feature on your new OIZ podcast. I'm going to continue the series of clips I was doing for your radio show about attractions, including their history and the detail behind them. I've covered Carousel of Progress and the Haunted Mansion in the past. For this clip, I'm going to move over from Magic Kingdom over to Epcot and the icon of the park, Spaceship Earth. You cannot fail to miss Spaceship Earth. It is housed within the geodesic polyhedron sphere at the entrance to Epcot and has been there since Epcot opened in October 1982. It is unique across all of the Disney parks. The structure was designed by, uh, let me see if I can get this right, Simpson 
Gubbertes and Higa Inc. of Boston, Massachusetts, with additional help from the science fiction writer Ray Bradbury, who also helped write the original storyline for the attraction. Construction took 26 months, and there's some great photographs showing the phases of construction, the internal structures, and the two internal and external shells of the sphere. The outer shell is covered in 954 triangular tiles that also hide a complex gutter system that directs rainwater down the legs of the structure to the World Showcase Lagoon. Spaceship Earth was originally sponsored by the Bell Systems from 1982 through to 1984 before AT&T took over both the company and the sponsorship of Spaceship Earth and they ran through to 2004. From 2005 until 2017, the German company Siemens was the sponsor of Spaceship Earth. The ride currently has no sponsor and is due for an extensive refurbishment from the end of 2019, so not long to go. The original attraction experience on opening in 1982 began as a ride vehicle moved into the structure through a lighted tunnel enhanced by a fog machine and then ascended on a spiral track up through the dark spaces, featuring a series of lighted historical scenes. The attraction featured actor Lawrence Dobkin as the narrator. The theme was communication through the ages, based on the Bell System sponsorship, and is presented in chronological order with audio anatomic figures. In May 1986, the attraction was given a slight remodel, This second version of the attraction started off with the lighted tunnel, enhanced with twinkling lights meant to depict the stars, but the fog machine was removed. The news news journalist Walter Cronkite was the new narrator, reading from an updated script. August 1994, the attraction was closed for a further update and reopened on November 23rd of 1994. This third version of the attraction kept the lighted tunnel as it was in 1986 and maintained the majority of the scenes depicting in the beginning and middle of the attraction. Three scenes towards the end of the attraction that showed a computer in a boy's bedroom of the 1980s, a woman's office of the 1980s and a network operations centre of the 1990s were all removed and replaced with one scene depicting a boy and girl using the internet to communicate between America and Asia. The ride received another updated script and this time narrated by Jeremy Irons. In celebration of the year uh, 2000, a large 25-storey magic wand held by a representation of Mickey Mouse's hand was built next to the sphere. At the top of the structure was a large cutout of the number 2000. After the millennium celebrations ended, the structure was left standing and in 2001 the number 2000 was replaced with the words Epcot. July 5, 2007, an Epcot Vice President, Jim McPhee, announced that Spaceship Earth would be restored to its original appearance and that Magic Wand structure was removed. The attraction was closed on July 9th and the closure saw the ride's fourth update, which included new scenes including a Greek classroom, mainframe computer and the creation of the personal computer along with modifications to existing scenes. There were some new costumes, lightings, props and a new musical score. There was also a new narration by Judy Dench and a now interactive ending that we're used to. 
The ride had its official reopening on February 15, 2008 in this current form. The Time Machine vehicles now have an interactive screen where riders can choose their vision of the future. At the beginning of the ride, a camera takes riders' pictures, which are used at the end of the ride to conduct an interactive experience about the future of technology, featuring the rider's face on animated characters. Visitors are now also asked where in Spaceship Earth they live, and this is used in the post-show area where a map of the world is displayed with the rider's face showing where they live. June 30th, 2017, and Siemens announced they would end their sponsorship of the attraction. It was also announced that the ride would close in late 2019 for a major refurbishment. We shall see what the refurbishment will bring when the ride reopens sometime in the early 2020s. The ride itself is classed as a dark ride and uses moving vehicles that can rotate as they move continuously along a track, moving along a spiral track towards the top before returning back to the loading station. The ride pays very close attention to historical accuracy, with a number of features, featured items being replicas of real historical artefacts. Even the graffiti found on the walls in the Roman scene is a reproduction of actual graffiti found in the Roman city of Pompeii. As the vehicles arrive at the first scene, a large film screen depicts early humans fighting for survival against the woolly mammoth without a form of communication and language. As the screen dims behind them, guests enter a cavern populated by order anatronic early humans who represent the development of early language through cave paintings. The drawings on the wall come to life and begin to dance as the vehicle continues onwards. Guests are brought to a group of Egyptians who invented a system of portable communication using hieroglyphics recorded on papyrus, as opposed to the cave paintings we've seen before. Phoenician merchants are seen carrying goods to faraway lands. The narrator explains how each civilization is trying to communicate, but cannot understand each other due to a language barrier. But the Phoenicians, who trade with all of them, created a simple common alphabet, so that trade communication becomes easier. The ABC. Turning a corner, riders see a lesson in mathematics being taught in a sequence of attempts to show how maths help invent the birth of a high-tech life we enjoy today. Shifting to ancient Rome and a night scene includes a traveller in a chariot delivering news, depicting how language is portrayed as a tool for cultural unification, with the vast network of roads that stretch across Europe, ultimately all leading to Rome. Suddenly the scene takes a dark turn as crashes are heard and the smell of burning wood fills the air. The fall of Rome brings the destruction of the bulk of the world's recorded knowledge, including the loss of scrolls of the Library of Alexandria. But the narration gives hope as the vehicle reaches the next level, where Jewish and Islamic scholars of the Middle Ages are seen preserving recorded information. Guests now arrive at a monastery where biblical manuscripts are being painstakingly copied. Gutenberg is seen working the first movable type printing press, allowing information to travel freely across the globe. And the scene ends as the car passes under a scaffold where Michelangelo is seen painted the ceilings of the Sistine Chapel. The time machine transitions to a post-Civil War wartime where guests witness news reports and loud Industrial-sized printing presses show advancement in mass communication. Seen next is a romanticised vision of the 20th century communication revolution, 
After passing telegraphs, radio, telephones and movies, riders see the 1969 television broadcast of Apollo landing on the moon. Guests turn a corner and find themselves in a large mainframe computer as they ascend up the final hill. At the top, a slow descent starts, progressing through a garage in California where a man is seen building one of the first home computers. The top of the structure is in fact a planetarium studded with stars and a large projection of a rotating Earth. Before the vehicles start to move down the long descent to the unloading area, they rotate 180 degrees clockwise and guests ride the end of the attraction backwards. Guests can now use the touchscreens in their vehicle to fill out a questionnaire to create a possible depiction of their future, which uses the pictures taken at the beginning of the ride. The original post-show for Spaceship Earth, was, Spaceship Earth was called Earth Station. It lasted from 1982 until 1994. It was a wide open exhibit space. When AT&T renewed their sponsorship in 1994, they redesigned the exhibition space for Earth Station into Global Network. ATA's depart, AT&T's departure as sponsor in 2004 caused the exhibition to close and Siemens created a new exhibition called Project Tomorrow, inventing the wonders of future in 2005. This new exhibition space once again used the entire exhibition space that only Earth Space Station had used. The new exhibition space housed interactive features featuring various Siemens technologies. After Siemens dropped their sponsorship, all signs mentioning them were removed. However, the name of the area stays the same. There is also a secret VIP lounge operated by the pavilion sponsor that exists above the post-show area of Spaceship Earth. Employees of the current sponsoring company and their guests can relax in the lounge while visiting Epcot. When Siemens took over the sponsorship, the lounge was given the name Base 21. In 2012, the name was dropped and was simply known as Siemens VIP Centre. And in August 2017, when Siemens sponsorship ended, Disney took this lounge over. If you like your hidden Mickeys, then this ride will not disappoint. There are plenty of really good ones hidden in the ride. However, as a dark ride, it can be difficult to see and photograph them. If you really want to annoy your travelling companion, you can select from a number of languages for your narration at the start of the ride. Riding Spaceship Earth with Japanese language narration can be rather fun. Oh, and don't forget to make a silly face of the camera. Tim out. Hey everyone, how's it going? Please forgive my voice, it's in and out just now. I'm losing it and then it comes back. Um, I'd like to give you the weather forecast for the week, uh, the fortnight beginning Saturday the 13th of April. We're going to start off with 32 degrees with a real feel of 34 degrees. We've got hot with intervals of clouds and sunshine. We like that. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 70% cloud cover. At night, we've got 21 degrees with a real feel of 20 degrees. Some clouds and it's going to feel warm. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 62% cloud cover. On Sunday the 14th of April, we have 32 degrees with a real feel of 33 degrees. It's going to be hot with partial sunshine and afternoon shower in places. We've got 0.3 millimetres of rainfall 
and 41% cloud cover. 19 degrees at night with a real feel of 18 degrees, 0 millimetres of rainfall and 74% cloud cover. On Monday the 15th of April, we have 31 degrees with a real feel of 31 degrees. It's going to feel partly sunny. Got 0 millimetres of rainfall, 45% cloud cover. At night, it's cooling down a little. 35, uh, 35 degrees, listen to me, 15 degrees with a real feel of 14 degrees, but it's going to be clear. We've got no rainfall and we've got 5% cloud cover, so get looking up at those skies. Beautiful stars out that night. On Tuesday the 16th of April, we've got 32 degrees with a real feel of 34 degrees, plenty of sunshine and warm. <clears throat> We've got zero millimetres of rainfall and 2% cloud cover. At night, we've got 17 degrees, the real feel of 17 degrees. It's going to be partly cloudy, zero millimetres of rainfall and 70% cloud cover. Bet you're glad you looked at the skies last night, aren't you? On Wednesday the 17th of April, we have 33 degrees, but it's going to feel like 36 degrees. Sunshine and patchy clouds and it's going to be very warm. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 25% cloud cover. At night we've got 21 degrees with a real feel of 22 degrees, a passing shower in the evening, otherwise partly cloudy, warm and humid. Rainfall we've got 0.5 millimetres and we've got 45% cloud cover. On Thursday the 18th of April we have 32 degrees with a real feel of 35 degrees. Remaining warm, sun and areas of high clouds and then mainly cloudy. <clears throat> a zero millimetres of rainfall and 76% cloud cover. At night we've got 20 degrees with a real feel of 19 degrees. Partly cloudy and a thunderstorm around later. One millimetre of rainfall and 60% cloud cover. On Friday the 19th of April, we have 28 degrees, with a real feel of 31 degrees, rather cloudy and a chance of a shower or a thunderstorm. It's not gonna feel quite as hot. Zero millimeters of rainfall and 88% cloud cover. At night, we have 21 degrees, with a real feel of 21 degrees. Considerable cloudiness, it's gonna feel warm, a shower in spots in the evening and then showers later. 2.4 millimetres of rainfall and 100% cloud cover. Wowzers. On Sunday the 21st, <clears throat> we've got 27 degrees with a real feel of 29 degrees, plenty of sunshine, 0 millimetres of rainfall and 0% cloud cover. So, sunny day. Get your sunblock on. At night, we've got 17 degrees, going to feel like 17 degrees, going to be clear. Zero millimetres of rainfall and only 2% cloud cover, so best night so far for seeing those stars. On Monday the 22nd of April, we have 28 degrees with a real feel of 28 degrees. It's going to be partly sunny, a chance of a shower or a thunderstorm, but zero millimetres of rainfall and 29% cloud cover. 
At night, we've got 17 degrees with a real feel of 17 degrees. It's going to be clear. We've got no rainfall again and 2% cloud cover. So again, nice and, nice and starry for you. On Tuesday, the 23rd of April, we have 28 degrees with a real feel of 29 degrees. It's going to be partly sunny, zero millimetres of rainfall, and 34% cloud cover. At night, 18 degrees with a real feel of 17 degrees. It's going to be partly cloudy, zero millimetres of rainfall, 30% cloud cover. On the 24th of April, we have 32 degrees with a real feel of 35, that's warm one today. Clouds and sunshine, and again, yes, it's going to be warm. Zero millimetres of rainfall, 58% cloud cover. At night, we've got 19 degrees, which is going to feel like 19 degrees. It's going to be overcast. We've got zero millimetres of rainfall and 99% cloud cover. So yes, it's definitely going to be overcast. <laughs> On Thursday, the 25th of April, we have 30 degrees, which is going to feel like 34 degrees. It's going to be mostly cloudy, showers and a thunderstorm, yet it's still going to feel warm. Rainfall, wowzers, 14.2 millimetres of rainfall, so a lot of rainfall today. 77% cloud cover. And then at night, we've got 17 degrees with a real feel of 16 degrees, mostly cloudy. Again, 17% cloud cover. Nope, 17%. 7 piece. Oh dear me, I'm losing it, Emma. 17 millimetres of rainfall and 80% cloud cover. And then finally, last but not least, is Friday the 26th of April. With 28 degrees, with a real feel of 30 degrees, you've got periods of clouds and sunshine, a chance of a shower or a thunderstorm. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 57% cloud cover. At night, we've got 17 degrees with a real feel of 17 degrees. It's going to be partly cloudy. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 31% cloud cover. That concludes your weather forecast for the Orlando area. It's kind of like Kissimmee and the Lake Bonavista area. And we have a fortnight's weather for you there for this podcast and I'll catch you in a fortnight with some more weather. Okay, I hope you're enjoying everything. Bye for now. I'm Sue and I love Mickey Mouse. Grumpy middle-aged dad and Lottie. More adventures in Orlando. Day six. An airboat ride and plastic alligators. Today's look, The Ponzi Adventurer. Nails by Cuticle Nails Kissimmee. Eyebrows by On The Lash, Florida Mall. Teeth colour by Ron Seal, Oakrange from Poundland. Lottie and I made a pact at the start of the holiday that we'd keep the room tidy as we went along. We'd put away our clean and dirty clothes and definitely, definitely don't leave any food out. This pact was based on the previous Orlando holidays with the other two members of the fam. While we discussed and made said pact, we 100% wholeheartedly, categorically blamed Wifey and Sam for causing all the mess last time. The scruffy buggers. It turns out 
It wasn't them at all. It was us. The let's keep the room tidy and clean up as we go along packed lasted two days. By day three, the mess was slowly taking shape and now, by day six, the room looks like a squat. There's stuff everywhere. It's like we're unknowingly sharing the room with a big feral family from West Bromwich. You know, the scruffy-looking families that they make Channel 4 documentaries about who've got a settee in the garden all summer. The kind of family that all dress in tracksuits and parkers that you see going shopping together at B&M on a Sunday morning. Then they pop next door to Pets at Home to gawp at the hamsters because it's cheaper than taking the kids to the zoo. Oh, God told you, Brittany. You are having a God guinea pig because your granny's got asthma. Wait till she's dead. <clears throat> Sorry, carried away then. Back to the story of the messy room. There's food on the sideboard, crumpled up park maps and abandoned underpants and an ever-growing pile of footwear that's taken on the appearance of an overflowing shoe recycle bin. And the biggest pile of loose chains you have ever seen in your life. Where does all this change come from? Every time I come back to the room, I'm weighed down with pockets full of tiny metal that I have to tip out onto the side. Then every time I go back out, I can't be bothered to load myself back up for fear of ripping holes in my pockets. I thought about getting a bum bag, but I'm worried it'll cut into my belly or just get lost in a fat fold. And it's bad enough having these dollar bills made from the same paper as bog roll and everything that you buy having a hidden tax. Do you know, since I've been here, I've not bought a single thing that's rounded up to an exact dollar. Anything and everything you buy totals to an amount with four decimal places and comes with the return of a handful of dog-eared, papier-mâché quality notes and minute coins that resemble a small amount of three-millimetre washers being poured into your hands. Pah! Oh, speaking of underpants, I don't think I've packed enough. I did a bit of tidying up today, which ended with me chucking all my pants into one drawer. Unfortunately, in the scruffy, mixed-up pants drawer, the previously worn ones are hiding in between the clean ones, and the only way I can tell if they're good to go is by giving them a sniff and then chucking them against the wall. If they stick, they're dirty. One pair slid very slowly down, so I reckon there's a day or two in them yet. I did decide that this was an unacceptable situation for a well-known but not terribly well-recognised author. I've still not been spotted. And I hated the thought that if I did bump into someone that knew me, I'd feel uncomfortable knowing I'd got dirty pants on. So I decided to do some washing, so popped down to the convenient but terribly expensive marketplace shop to see if they had any washing powder. I asked the young assistant, Caitlin, Texas, Destiny, Arizona, Aurora, if they had any aerial. I don't think she understood my black country accent, though, as the next thing you know, another assistant appeared, ironically called Daz. I tried to explain, but he didn't get it either. So Daz called over the manager. Cody Cora took Corey Tucker Bob Jr. But he told me to go see Orlando Walmart. I hadn't got time to meet anybody else. It's taken me ages to write all these names down. 
so instead went back up to room 3149 and just stood in the shower wearing five pairs of pants and washed them all with Ardrock soap. Word of warning, listeners. If you're going to do this, make sure you rinse out all the soap. I found out my mistake the hard way after leaving Dudley Do-Right's Ripsaw Falls soaking wet and frothing at the gusset. Anyway, for today's shenanigans, we're heading off to wild Florida, a 45-minute cab drive away deep into the Everglades where we'll be strapped into a fan-powered boat bitten by killer mosquitoes and chased by alligators. That sounds fun, doesn't it? It wasn't. To be honest, once you've put-put-put-putted at two miles an hour along some of Dudley's finest canals in a barge, any other boat ride just won't cut it. All good black country folk will get that last joke. Our cab arrived at the Hard Rock reception and we set off for a ride through real Florida. After leaving the hustle and bustle of the city, it was an interesting drive past big collections of really beautiful, posh-looking houses, and then some smaller, less attractive, scruffy ones that looked eerily abandoned. You know the type, the ones with corrugated tin roofs and rusty cars and bits of boat all over the lawn. They looked just like the kind of houses that would have a dark, dirty secret. Maybe a satanic shed a ritual slaughter room, or a shrine dedicated to West Bromwich Albion. I was a little unnerved as the guy be, uh, sorry again. I was a little unnerved as the guy driving the cab was wearing a blue and white striped T-shirt, so I readied myself in case he tried to dump us by a shanty house in the middle of nowhere, and I'd have to defend myself with the old black country one-two, a swift kick in the bollocks, and run off. Fear not, listener, as Lottie and I reached our destination unkilled and in one piece. Join me again for part two when we resume to find out if we got eaten by alligators. Which we didn't, obviously, or I wouldn't be reading this out, would I? Back soon. Grumpy, out. To the orbit. Hello everyone, Becky Watson here, and I have a movie review for the live-action Tim Burton Dumbo, which came out in the UK on the 29th of March. If you know me, you know that I love Disney. I was pretty excited to see what they were going to do with a timeless classic like Dumbo. I love the 1941 original. It's charming, cute, and funny, and it definitely gave me the warm fuzzies. It's only 64 minutes long, so if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you do. If possible, try to watch it before you see the new version, as the two are kind of intertwined, and I think the new version makes more sense if you have the context of the original. Um, I'll give you a brief summary of the original. It's about an an elephant (laughs) with unusually large ears, um, which gets picked on by everyone. He befriends a mouse, which helps teach him not to listen to bullies, because what they think is weird or bad... um, might actually be your special gift and it turns out it is um this kind of plot happens up to the midpoint of the new version and then from that the story's expanded in a tim burton style and 
my opinion. It felt kind of meh. It's such a shame to say because the original's amazing, but it was too similar to every other film that's out in the cinema at the minute. Um, for a start, scenes from the original were forced into the new. For example, the pink elephant scene. In the original, it's a psychedelic dream sequence with pink element elephants dancing around and changing shapes and um, it's weird and trippy and it shows the experimental side of what Disney was doing with animation at the time. In the new version, it's done as a bubble dance um, during a circus act and it didn't add anything. <laughs> which I'm going to say a lot, but it didn't add anything. It was so forced and too much time was spent on it. And you even get one of the characters go, oh, look, pink elephants, just in case you didn't know that's what it's referencing. Um, the visual of it was good, but I'll, I'll get into visuals later. Uh, my other point is cliches, which I've already like sort of said, but it just has so many cinema cliches that just made it feel dull. Um, for a start, you had the cliche of a family that needs to reconnect after a loved one's been lost. And I, there's so many films that have already done that. Um, you also had the cliche of a forced romance where these two characters have an implied romance by the end which is never sort of it, it's never earned up until that point there's no chemistry no hint of it right in, until right until the end um also the kind of like wide-eyed children cliche of we need children on our film because the film's for children and they're not going to be engaged unless there's children in it which as we know is not true but it just seems to be something that all all films need all kids films need at the minute and it's 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 sad especially because in this version they're quite boring um i mean i really like that the girl um there's there's two children uh brother and sister um and the girl called Millie loves science and she like does experiments and things. I like that because obviously coming from STEM, I think that more uh, more girls need to get involved with STEM. So I like that they kind of did that, but they don't add anything else. And they replaced probably one of my favorite characters from the original, which is Timothy Mouse. Um, yeah, they still like kind of had Timothy Mouse in it but he's just shoehorned in as a random mouse in a ringmaster outfit that doesn't add anything to the story or anything at all. He's just there so people that know know the original could go, oh that's Timothy Mouse. <laughs> um, there were less characters than the original and personally I think that's probably better because they could build on them, make them more complex and likeable um but all the other characters in the new version 
you don't have enough time to really get to know them. So they're all very one dimensional. Um, for example, you have kind of the villain in each of them who are, who are different people for anyone that's seen the original I promise I'm not spoiling um but the the villain in in the original um is kind of just doing their job and anything they do that is a negative outcome for Dumbo isn't because he's doing it just to be mean to Dumbo he, he's doing it because it's like the sensible thing to do when you're in that that position um Whereas the the bad guy in the new version is evil for the sake of being evil. And that's all I say, because I don't want to spoil it, but y you'll know what I mean if you go see it. Um, and that kind of like, I'll, that kind of leads me into my final bad point, which um, is that there's no clear message in the film at all. So there's build-ups to messages <laughs> um I, i'll i'll kind of i want to say spoiler alert but the thing is the the messages are so abrupt and generic that i don't really think i am spoiling it um they try to do this commentary on like what fame's really like and how it's not as great as it's all cracked up to be kind of thing um, and like in it, there's a theme park which kind of had this weird Disney World esque vibe to it, which I thought they were going to say something about, but they didn't. Um, there's a very slap in the face commentary about making animals perform and uh, like keeping them in captivity that is sort of thrown in at the end um, and there's just nothing subtle about it and it's not a groundbreaking message I think everyone kind of agrees that yes animals shouldn't be kept in captivity to perform these days like like you need a license to do it these days and things it's not new it, it's not that really like groundbreaking of a message in my opinion um, and I just think it came from a place of Ooh, they do. They have them perform in the original, and this is kind of bad. So we need to do something about it and show that that wasn't a good thing in the original. Um, the ultimate lesson is about the the reconnecting family kind of aspect. It's teaching this widowed father to reconnect his kids and find compassion and all this kind of thing and it just feels so overdone and you just don't get a payoff I don't think I do have some good points I promise <laughs> um my first one being that I loved baby mine um which is its famous song um you know how everyone has that one Disney song that always makes them cry Baby Mine is my song, and they didn't do anything bad enough to it to not make me cry. So, <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Also, the the two main elephants, Dumbo and his mother, are so cute, and they like were very engaging to watch and like behaved how you'd expect them to behave in the situation, and just yeah, they were really nice. Um, and also, 
as I kind of said at the beginning, the visuals. I really liked the Tim Burton twist to the art style. It was very, very stylized and it worked really well. Um, especially things like you had this dark faded paint on the train of the circus that um, and having that level of darkness and, and mystery, it, it worked really well. And I think as well, because it was the circus, they got to play around with colour a lot. Um, yeah, I liked the visuals and I think that was like a main reason I was kept in my seat. Um, so in conclusion, the new Dumbo was okay, <laughs> but I personally felt it didn't hold up to the original. It's stuck to too many overdone cinema tropes, and I know Disney can do better. I think they need to stop pumping out back-to-back live-action remakes and take the time to make original content. Because we know they can do it. I know they won't do it, because people still go. It feeds our nostalgia, and it's nice that it introduces a young generation to the classics, but it's just, they're better off watching the classics. <laughs> um, yeah. I just know Disney can do better, which is a shame. However, if you do go and see it, let me know what you think, because it's it's not that bad. I think it's watchable. So, yeah, that's my movie review. And on that note, thank you for listening. Bye. Grumpy middle-aged dad and Lottie, more adventures in Orlando. Day six, an airboat ride and plastic alligators. Continued. So Lottie and I left our drop for a bit and we're headed down into the real world to see some alligators at Wild Florida. Get comfy and listen up. We arrived and headed straight to look in the gift shop. It was fab. Everything on sale was alligator related, from alligator jewellery to alligator jam. Who's buying alligator jam? Forever generous, I bought an alligator back scratcher for wifey and some smoky chipotle alligator barbecue sauce for Sam, which I thought were great presents. Postscript. They weren't. It was nearly our time to get on board for our wild adventure, so we went and waited on a spooky wooden pontoon with a load of other families ready to be sacrificed to the god of the Florida alligators. Luckily, we were on a boat with a few young kids and some fatties, so I fancied my chances of escape if and when the boat tips over. Once safely on board and strapped in tight on a funny-looking boat being steered by Captain Troy Hickory III, we slowly guided out onto the lake, and as soon as we were clear of the shoreline, he opened up the big aircon fan, and we flew at warp speed along the marshes, searching for the elusive Florida alligator. We bumped violently along the lake, holding onto our hats, having our chops wobbled about a bit and being blasted in the face by loose bits of swamp weed and mosquitoes, all whilst not being able to hear a thing because of the sound of the gigantic fan behind us. Am I selling it to you? Sounds great, doesn't it? In 30 minutes of searching the lake for a scary reptile, 
Captain Troy Hickory found one, albeit a very stationary one, next to what he called a nest that looked to me like a floating pontoon tied down by an anchor. As he got closer and asked us not to stare at it too much, he slipped with a wheel and the boat hull bumped into the head of the said alligator. Despite a loud, tinny thud, it never moved, arousing my suspicion further and reminding me instantly of that Monty Python parrot sketch. Best not look in her eyes, folks. She's a feisty one and could get nasty, he said, convincing no one as the alligator started to lilt to one side and slowly sink. I don't think Captain Troy understood my question when I jokingly asked if it was a Norwegian blue alligator. Although he did look at me funny all the way back and moved me right to the front of the boat for ballast as we went through extra choppy water. Unsurprisingly, we didn't see any more plastic alligators, but we did see a few weird birds and a cow drinking at the water's edge which is exactly what you'd expect for $50 each and an $80 round-trip taxi fare. I could have saved all that cash for four gin and tonics at Ardrock and waited till I got home. I can literally see cows out of my bedroom window. Safely back on dry land, despite capping Troy trying to strangely bump the boat against the pontoon just as I got off, my beautiful little snapper Lottie and I had a hot stroll around the wild Florida Zoo. We walked through stagnant swamps, held our noses around big piles of animal dung and gawped at sad, tatty-looking creatures with no hope in their eyes. A bit like a walk down West Bromwich High Street. Inevitably, we also came across some more plastic alligators. Well, they never moved, do they? Isn't anybody else suspicious? This included two dead stiff albino ones that looked like they'd just been painted with magnolia emulsion. To be fair, they did have some ones that moved about a bit in a great big dirty swamp, but I reckon these were remote controlled by the keepers hiding somewhere in a secret hut. The gators only get twitchy when you pay $5 for a pouch of alligator food which I guess is just enough to cover the cost of the remote control batteries. Time was ticking on as I'd booked something special for Lottie, so we stopped for a quick lunch. I ordered the alligator burger and told her to make it snappy. Ha! And as soon as we'd finished, we headed off to the other side of the smelly zoo. I'd paid $39, plus tax, making it $43.67.64445 for Lottie to have the swim with sloths experience. This turned out to be an underwhelming 15 minutes as she lined up with another 10 gullible tourists in a cage and when it was her turn, lightly patted the ugliest looking animal on earth while it messily ate corn on the cob upside down, showing off its genitals. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I could arrange all of this and more in Dudley. I could strap a fan off an old four Cortina to the back of a barge and for a tenner a pop show gullible tourists where the ducks nest between the shopping trolleys on the canal. And we've got our own zoo with weird smelly animals and even weirder smellier zookeepers. 
plus and 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 plus if you want to see the original three told sloths just hang around Weatherspoons in West Bromwich on Benefits Day. It's right next door to Greg's as well. So if you wait long enough, you'll see them covered in food with all their genitals out as well. We packed up our alligator gear and headed off to our waiting cab where both of us power napped on the way back. Then both of us woke the other one up by sticking an alligator back scratcher up our nose. Top stuff. And that's just about it for me, dear listener. Join me again next time for some more mad adventures in Orlando. Grumpy out. Don't know what a bit. Hi, I'm Peter Harper, and I want to say thank you for listening to the Orlando Info Pod, our very first episode. Some of the sound quality might have been a little bit suspect, but we will work on that for the next episode. We hope you enjoyed all that we had on offer, and that you will join us next time. So until then, stay safe, be happy, and goodbye from me. <laughs>